Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. We're in a question and answer series, and the Grace Life pastoral team is answering questions you asked about God, the Bible, relationships, and everything in between. We gathered all the questions entered from our gracelife.church app and gracelife.church online form, and we had so many questions we couldn't answer them all. But we just want to say thank you to everyone who reached out with a question for us. This week, we have Jimmy Currents, our lead pastor, Kent Fancher, our Northeast Campus pastor, and Patrice Lamb, our women and family pastor at Grace Life Church, answering live from a weekend service at Grace Life. Let's get into this week's session of Q&A. Yeah, this is fun. I'm having a blast. I may never preach again. This is so much fun. Hey, if you're a guest here today, you are probably wondering what you walked in on. Uh, just to let you know, we're doing something very special starting today for three weeks. We're doing a Q&A series. Uh, you guys have been giving us your questions, and uh, we're going to answer them as best we can based on what God's Word says. So we're doing this for three weeks, and uh, if you come back in four weeks, it'll look a lot more like a normal church. I'll actually stand up and, and preach a sermon and do, do that sort of thing. So if you're a guest, just glad to have you here with us. Uh, maybe it'll help you understand a little bit about who we are and what we believe and what we think. So my we're second ch- guest... We're changing the name of the church to the Potato Couch Church. <laughs> He never knows what I'm going to say. What, keep, a, keep the mute button on his mic very, very close by. So uh, actually not my guest, my, my, my uh, friends here. Our campus pastor, Kent Fancher, help me welcome him. Woo! Love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Our women's pastor, Patrice Lamb. So a couple of things before we get started here, Uh, we received more questions from you uh, the very first day we announced this than we would be able to do in the series. Uh, Truthfully, I think we could take a year of just doing questions, uh, which is good because it tells me that you guys have a lot on your hearts, a lot of things that you want to know. Um, It also tells me there are things you wish you could ask that maybe you don't know if you have the right setting to ask at some point. Uh, so I'm just going to throw out there that if we don't get to your question on stage, do, do ask. Come and find a pastor, a small group leader, uh, an elder. Come, come and talk to someone and don't let your questions go unanswered. Uh, in terms of how we chose the questions so far, we're choosing the questions that we think would impact the most people and uh, also questions we have not touched on recently. So we do Q&A about once a year, plus we've done series that sometimes touched on things, and so uh, we may be able to point you back to something uh, that's online as well. So just to let you know, we we clearly cannot get to everything. We're going to do as much as we can, and we're going to take some seriously and laugh at some others and we'll probably cry at a few because you know it's a it's a good good world and a broken world and God's doing amazing things. Just to add to that there's several questions that were very personal kind of questions that really need to be answered eyeball to eyeball face to face that we can't really answer without knowing more specifics so. All right, well, with that said, we're going to jump right in, and uh, the first question that we're going to touch on today, actually the first two are about Scripture, and the question uh, is this, why do we not accept the Gnostic Scriptures or talk about the lost Scriptures? So there you go. Um, Who's excited about that one? (laughs) Come on, there's got to be at least a nerd in the room. Come on, one more nerd. There we go, a couple of you, glad you could admit that. So 
Uh, the word Gnostic refers to uh, heresy that was going around in the first couple of centuries known as Gnosticism. It comes from the word Gnosis, which means knowledge. Uh, the whole idea was to focus on self-awareness and enlightenment and knowledge, and it ran uh, counterpart to Christianity. And as even we see today, somebody will get a little New Age and a little Christianity or a little this and a little that, and they'll blend them. And so that's what people were trying to do in the early time as well. Uh, and so you actually had people who were trying to be Gnostic Christians. Um, and so when people say lost scriptures, there, there are no lost scriptures. We know exactly where they all are. As, as you said, this is not... Anybody lost their Bibles? This is not it. <laughs> lost scriptures, not lost Bible. So we, we have no lost scriptures, but here's what they're referring to. In 1945, in a cave in Egypt, someone dug up some, some text that had not been seen since the 2nd, 3rd, 4th centuries. And uh, so people refer to these as the lost scriptures. They're not lost scriptures, they are lost text. Uh, and we'll give them that. Many of these things that were the lost text were actually these Gnostic writings. These Gnostic, they call themselves, some of them, the Gnostic Gospels. Um, here's the reason we don't accept them. Multiple reasons. Number one, Gnosticism was declared a heresy in the early first couple of centuries uh, after Jesus. So why would we then undo that when all of the church fathers and the people who had walked with Jesus and knew Jesus the closest were saying, wait a minute, what they believe is not what Jesus taught, so therefore that's a heretical belief. Why would we then, after these are dug up, say, wait a minute, let's undo what they did even though they were closer to Jesus, right? Um, the second thing is these Gnostic writings have some very key things in them that undermine the Christian faith and our scriptures. Uh, so some of those are that Jesus is not your savior, he's your moral guide. Because, again, the chase is for knowledge and self-awareness. And as Jesus helps you accumulate that knowledge and self-awareness, you become his equal. You don't need to be saved from him. They also uh, imply that Jesus had an illicit affair with a woman. And they undermine the idea of the resurrection, which means none of us need to answer the questions about heaven that are included later because there wouldn't be one. So for all of the same reasons that Gnosticism was declared a heresy long ago, when those were dug up, uh, we didn't find them any more valid now than we did then. So for somebody who is um, being told that the Bible is not legit, uh, there are a lot of good questions and we can keep talking about that. would love to continue to answer anything that you've come across on the internet or anywhere else. I will let you know that not on our app, because it's, it's old, but on our website there is a series called The Bible where we answered a lot of these questions in relation to science, in relation to history, in relation to archaeology and so forth. So I'll just point you back there. Then we've got a second. Did you want to add anything? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Y'all don't like to talk about Gnosticism? No. I'm the nerd in the bunch of three just, up here. Just I, so you I'm know. just glad you answered the question. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would y'all like to see us at a staff meeting? I want to tell you what, that's fun. All right, here we go. Next question is also about scripture. In a religion class in college, the professor said that many of the stories in the Bible are myths. As an example, the creation story in the Bible is similar to creation stories in other religions. What is your response to this? Uh, the first thing that you need to know is my response to this. Uh, my experience in my religion class in my secular state school, as I believe is true in the overwhelming majority of religion classes in um, secular colleges, they're not taught by Christians. 
they're, they're taught by people who have just decided to study world religion as a topic, just like you might study history. And if you knew a lot about ancient Egypt, it doesn't make you an Egyptian, right? And so a lot of these religion classes are taught by people who do not want to promote Christianity, do not believe the Bible, as you can see. Um, and, and so I, I would just throw out this analogy. Uh, I've got a music degree, and I could theoretically and and even legitimately teach a music appreciation class in a college i've got a master's in music i'd be allowed to do that but i also uh, hate country music (laughs) sorry i know we're in the south forgive me Um, but i hate country music and i would be able to use my position in my class and my degree to explain why country music is subpar why it does not deserve to be called music, but rather country noise. Uh, uh, skipping. <laughs> Sit down, Brandon. There, there are people walking out. We need a new youth staff. All right, anyway. Um, I totally lost my train of thought based on that. Uh, so I, I, I could do all of that. The point is that you need to know what you've gotten in your religion class in a secular university is someone who is against Christianity, who is against the Bible. And the way they're going to present that uh, is, is what you're... So the first thing I want you to know before I answer the rest of the question is the opinion of a non-Christian about the Bible should not um, be nearly as important to you as what God says about his own word if you expect Jesus to be your Savior and take you to heaven. So, again, if you've ever heard me tell you, I tell you before, I love talking to atheists. I love talking to agnostics. I I love people who are intellectually honest about their position, right? Um, But for Christians to say, I'm really glad there's a book that says I can be forgiven for my sins and take me to heaven, but then I just don't want to believe a bunch of it, um, we need to become more intellectually honest with ourselves. So, uh, there you go. Did I? Was that mean? That That wasn't mean? That wasn't mean. She said it wasn't mean, so we're okay there. (laughs) What did I not answer? Oh, so, you know, things like the creation story as being similar. Um, Yeah, people think the fact that multiple cultures, matter of fact, almost every culture has a flood story and has a creation story. They think that undermines the fact that there's one in the Bible as well. It doesn't undermine it. It actually helps to confirm it. Because here's the reality. If every culture came from here on earth and if everybody came out of a global flood event and then they got scattered throughout the earth and separated over centuries and then some stop following God and some follow this God and some make up that God and some follow that and however you want to word those phrases uh, it would not be surprising that they would all remember certain human history events such as a flood or such as creation and uh, so the fact that people who don't read this book have those same stories actually refer to the legitimacy of those as being actual events in human history and of course as things are told orally throughout millennia some of the details are going to be changed because our stories are coming from manuscripts uh, that have been written down long before that so the fact that the details aren't exact uh, does not hurt anything it actually only confirms what you would expect from oral tradition over millennia through multiple cultures all around the earth there you go there you go. Very good. Add good answer. Um, I was just going to add, I was going to kind of just talk to the students, whether college students, high school students, any more elementary students, um, that there's going to be, you know, this question was, um, I believe, from a college student who really had some questions. I love the questions that this person asked because they're coming to a place that they're really trying to understand what they believe. Yep. So I just wanted to encourage um, students that where you're at, we have 
um, just a political divide in our country right now. We have, you know, words like liberals and words like conservatives just flying around. And you turn on the TV and no matter if you if you identify with a liberal, if you identify with a conservative, you're going to hear what you want to hear. But I would just want to encourage every student and every young person, every, every person, honestly, to really have an understanding of where they stand, um, especially biblically. Where do you stand? Because like Jimmy talked about in the first service, conservative liberalism, that's all politi politics. It has nothing to do with the Bible. But a lot of us take those um, identifiers and identify with one or the other. But I would just want to encourage students to, you're going to be sitting in classrooms that have one slant or the other. Um, you're going to go to colleges that maybe say they're a liberal college and they have very liberal teachers and all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, everything that I've been taught is wrong or vice versa. So I would really, really encourage you to take a stand Look at your Bible, read your Bible, get with somebody who you can consider a mentor, somebody that can talk you through some really important um, questions, they can give you some really good answers, they can help you find some really good biblical answers so you know really what you believe. So when you go into those settings like these huge universities where you can just get lost in the crowd, that you have, a, you have something to stand on. I mean, the Bible talks about not being tossed about like the, in, in the waves you need to have a sturdy foundation and an understanding of what you believe. And I say to the students, but really we all do, yeah. especially in this time, um, that things are going to get more distorted and more distorted, and we need to know and we need to understand what we believe. Yeah. So since you brought up the words liberal and conservative, as I did say in the first service, I want to remind you those are not biblical labels, those are political labels. And uh, I know somebody's going to disagree with what I'm about to say, but you can be a Christian and agree with some of the values in either, either side of that argument, right? That's, that's just where you are. And part of that is because we're all growing and changing, and you may value something 10 years ago that you don't value today. And, you know, when I was younger, all I wanted was an awesome car, and today I drive an old car that a deer ran into, and I don't really care. Um, <laughs> your values will change. And so uh, too often I think people believe um, that, that God likes one party and hates another party. And, and well, we don't, how did we get to that for this question? I don't really know. Um, but I do want to say that to back up what Patrice was talking about, meaning regardless of what label you'd put on yourself, know what you believe and, and go and do some research. Because here, here's the truth, and you will not find this on either spectrum of the national news, just so you know, not Fox, not CNN, either one. Um, and that is that there is a massive movement in the world today in the scientific community, people with letters behind their names, I mean PhDs in biology, chemistry, physics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that are coming back to the agreement there has to be um, a creator. There has to be intelligent design. As they begin to look at these events and look at what's going on, they just say there is, there's no way that this was a scientific accident, um, that it defies too many laws of science in and of itself, and that's, that's another sermon for another day. Uh, I was actually just on a plane coming back from Mexico, whoop, vacation yeah. with my, my wife, and so just literally Friday, I was watching this movie called uh, Annihilation, I think it is, Annihilation. Anybody seen that movie? I don't know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a weird sci-fi movie. Um, but anyway, so there's this really smart biologist saying things that are true about biology, and everything that she's saying, I'm going, man, we need to use this for at the movies because she is proving from a, an intelligent biologist point of view how you can't believe some of the things that are theories in the scientific world today. So here's, the, here's what I'm saying. 
Why did I say all that? Because some of you are still in a place of going, well, Patrice, I don't know that I want to believe the Bible. I don't know that I should. And my point to that is if you only knew the amount of research that's out there, the number of people that have PhDs in the science field that are saying this can be justified scientifically, archaeologically, historically, there is more evidence for it. Now, although I did say there's a massive move of scientists supporting the idea of intelligent design or a creator, uh, they're not, make sure I'm clear on this, saying that that is the God of the Bible. So I'm not saying that they're, they're promoting Christianity. There are many of them who would still say that they are agnostic or even atheistic. They just believe that something like creation had to come from something, someone, however you want to word that. Okay, so with that being said, what Patrice is trying to get at is before you go off to college and you just listen to what a religion class professor says or a history class professor says, go and do your own homework and know how to defend your faith. There is an incredible amount of research and resources out there. So for the sake of time, we're just going to roll on. What's the next question we got? Did you grow up non-denominational or did you start in a certain denomination? What made you try a non-denominational church? Uh, so real simply, Kent, where'd you grow up? How'd you grow up? I grew up in a church of Christ. Church of Christ. How about you, Patrice? I grew up Catholic. Catholic. Were you a good Catholic? Um. <laughs> I don't said, have the right answer to that. And I don't I think grew I was, up, actually. I grew up Presby Baptist. Come on, anybody in the house Presby Baptist? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That you're Southerners. You know, one parent was Presbyterian, the other one was Baptist, and that's just how you did church. Okay, so uh, anyway, here's the point. Um, the reason I went to a non-denominational church uh, in college is because it was the church that seemed to have uh, some friends inviting me, and God was moving, and I decided I liked that. Why? Am I pastoring a non-denominational church today? Why did we all, these are three of the four founding families represented right here, by the way. Um, why did we move here to start a non-denominational church instead of Catholic Church of Christ or, or Presbyterian Baptist or anything else? Um, is simply because we want the main thing to be the main thing. We want the first label to be Christian. And uh, I've just seen too many other people get attached to other labels. Um, and Christian is their second nature. Um, being Baptist is first, or being Presbyterian is first, or being Catholic is first, or whatever. I, I want us to say that we are followers of Jesus, lovers of God, believers in the Bible, and we're honoring Him with our lives, and that comes first. And so that's... Since you two haven't been on stage a lot, I'm just going to tell you, when they clap, that means shut up and move on, Pastor. That, that's, that's like, thank you, good enough. Thank you, actually. That, yeah, there we go. So, for the sake of time... Next question, because we didn't even get through half of them in the first service. Do you think we have a chance to reconnect with our spouse once in heaven? From what I've read and heard, there is no marriage in heaven. There are a lot of things I wish I had the opportunity to say, though. And even if there is not a marriage, I am hoping there is a connection and that I can spend life with my spouse in heaven. You have read, uh, if you're referring to the Bible, you, are re you have read correctly, you have heard correctly. There is no marriage in heaven. Jesus affirmed that as well, taught elsewhere in Scripture. But what we do know in Scripture is that we will still be us when we get to heaven, that we will know people for who they are and for their names. We can see that in multiple places in Scripture. And so you will still be you, but you will actually be glorified. Isn't that cool? You'll have a glorified body. I mean, I'm not going to have to go to the gym. <laughs> All the cheeseburgers I want, it's going to be amazing. But you're also going to have a glorified mind. 
And that's huge. People leave that out. We always talk about glorified bodies, but you're going to have a glorified mind. Um, and so uh, you won't be married. Uh, we will know each other in heaven. We will be able to talk to each other. We will have relationships. Um, we, will, we will be able to recognize each other. In terms of marriage and why you won't have marriage, here's, here's my thought on this. This is pure speculation based on what I see when I look at all the scripture together. Is everybody, is everybody hear what I just said? This is speculation based on what I see when I read scripture. The, then it goes to the question, why, is there, why do we have marriage here? The reason we have marriage here, uh, that, this part's not speculation, is because we are representing Christ and his church. We are an image in, as marriage of the bride of Christ and Christ. And so that's what we are showing the world. We also know the reason we have marriage is so that we can have community. You see, God exists in community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He exists in three persons. You and I, we do not. And the only way we can have community is within the church, but then the greatest community we can ever have, the closest community we can ever have, the closest thing we will ever get to experiencing the, what, what God has in, in community as three persons is in marriage. The Bible tells us the two become one. And if you've ever seen somebody that's been married 50 years, they, they look more like brother and sister than husband and wife, don't they? And, and they act like they're the same person. And, and they, just, they just mold into one. Exactly. So here's my speculation is we are given that as a gift from God so that we've got somebody who theoretically, supposedly, according to our wedding vows, loves us for better or for worse, is always with us, and they're, they're always there, and they've got our back no matter what. Here's the good news. When you get to heaven, there's nobody trying to take you out. So you don't need anybody who's got your back. You're going to have perfect community with everyone there. You're actually going to love everyone there. Racism will be gone. Hate will be gone. Pride, judgment, all of those. So in other words, you're not going to need better community with one because you're not going to have bad community with anybody. So we're going to have perfect community, and that's why I believe that there's going to be no reason for us to have that one person that we're closer to because we're going to be as close as we're supposed to be in God's original intent when he created humanity when we get there. Y'all got to talk at some point. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, thank you. That's good. Next well, I mean, question. He, he, Jimmy already mentioned it, but uh, we'll be married to Jesus there, right? So, hey. <laughs> you're, you're you awesome, It don't get man. any better than that. You're awesome, sidekick. I love this. I think, too, just remembering, because um, I remember just being like, oh, I just really love my husband. I don't want to not be with him in heaven. I don't want to not, you know, know him like I know him here on earth. He'll be and, glorified, though. He won't like country music anymore. Well, <laughs> Hey, I like country music, so we get along with that, too. So, you know, <laughs> country music and NASCAR and all that fun stuff. But That's, anyway. They don't invite me over to their house much. <laughs> so heaven is not going to be at all like anything really honestly we can even imagine. I mean, we can read Revelation and we can read description of what heaven would be like, but we as human beings cannot even wrap our minds around what heaven is going to be like. So just to, you know, just kind of, you know, as a side note, it's not like we're going to be sad that we're not with our spouse. It's not like we're going to be sad that we don't have that connection and that relationship anymore. We're going to be so, you know, living in this glorified body with this glorified mind in the presence of God as Jesus's bride. You know, we won't even, it's going to be, it won't even be a second thought that, oh yeah, I miss my husband. Oh yeah, I really miss my wife because it's just going to be so different. We can't even imagine it. 
Cool. Just trying to be encouraging. Hey, we've got a couple more questions on heaven as we go here. Just want to remind you, we did about two years ago a, a series at length on heaven and hell, and we ended that with Q&A on heaven and hell. Um, if you've got more questions than, than we're able to address today on heaven and hell, go back and catch that. It is called Destination Unknown meaning we've all got a destination. Most of us don't know anything about it. So go check that out. Destination Unknown, it's on the app. All right, next question, also about heaven. Okay, so when I get to heaven. <laughs> I know, My favorite question. I know I won't be married. Will I have to hang out with the group that I knew on earth? Furthermore, do I have obligation to anyone other than Jesus? I just want you to know that hurts my feelings. That you guys don't want to hang out with me. Hey, Kent, take this one, man. <laughs> we, we are is, gonna, is there going to be an introvert corner with a little no private in, gate? No says, introvert oh, no corner. No extroverts allowed. No. If you hate the people on earth, come here. That's no place like that. There's a verse in the Bible that says that heaven is like where righteousness dwells. So if there's any kind of reason why you don't want to hang around people, that reason will be gone. So we'll just hang out. But we'll be kind of... Focused on Jesus for a millennial or, you know, 10 million years for, so, anyway. Yeah, the bottom line is, again, we'll be glorified in heaven, which includes uh, your mind. So, those of you that currently hate people, um, (laughs) or think people hate you, um, you will not feel that way when you get to heaven. You're actually going to want to hang around people, uh, just so, just so you know. Next. Do newborns, young children, and people with special needs who can't establish a relationship with Jesus go to heaven? This is a deep, deep question, of course. Um, And I want you to know as I answer this, uh, my wife and I uh, connect very well with you and and the pain that you would feel. Um, We have four children on earth and two in heaven, uh, the way we say it. I always wanted six, and she always wanted two, and (laughs) I guess God compromised, and that's kind of how that works. So we have a stillborn, uh, and we, we had a miscarriage as well. Um, the only thing we know from Scripture, because there is not a very good black and white, there's not a verse that says, here's the exact answer. But we know that King David, who did write a majority of our Scripture, uh, when he lost a child, said, I will be with you again um, in heaven. And so, first of all, if God allowed someone who wrote a majority of, well, not a majority, a lot, he wrote a lot of our Scripture. If God allowed someone who wrote a lot of our Scripture to believe Um, incorrect things and to write incorrect things that made it into our scripture then that'd be very misleading and that would undermine our whole faith once again so we 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 need to understand David was probably right in what he was thinking so um, the newborn part of things is definitely uh, the easier question to answer the more challenging question to answer is that sliding scale of of young um, and special needs Uh, what how is young is too young is not young enough um, what, where, where on the special needs scale, and we also have a special needs child uh, with autism, where on that scale is the ability to understand or not understand? And um, I, I can't answer those questions, only God can. There's, there's nothing in Scripture that tells you exactly where that line falls. But what I will tell you is what I know about my God. And that is that He loves us so much that even when we were all sinners, He hung His Son on a cross for us. That seems to be the kind of God that is going to do everything possible to see us in heaven, not keep us out. Um, yes, he's a just God, but he's also a merciful God, and he's a loving God. And so uh, I, I'm going to believe that, that he's going to go with that part of his nature as much as any part of his nature. Uh, it, you can't elevate one part above the other. But again, if his love was willing to send 
his son to die for us, then I think his love will do everything possible to let in as many of his created children as possible. What do you guys think? I agree, definitely. Something that is just coming to mind that um, God's word said, even the trees of the, how, can, how does that verse go? That the clap their hands. So there is a connection that even all of God's creation has a connection with him. And he is going to make a way, I believe, for somebody like with special needs or, you know, I mean, John the Baptist was um, filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. He hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. He had no understanding of it. But some way, somehow, there was a connection that God had with his creation that they had an understanding of who he was. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I look at that question, two things come to mind. First, Jesus said that we have to be like children to get into heaven, yeah. right, to be childlike faith. So... There's that, and also I think we don't really know if the, the, those types of people, like people with special needs, we don't know if they have, a, have established a relationship with Jesus or not, right? We can't read what's going on in, in their relationship with God necessarily, or a child. They may have established a relationship with Jesus. We just don't know it. We can't see it. That they may have a greater understanding of, of God than even we do sometimes. Right, right. Um, you know, Romans 1 talks about how it is clear to all of creation uh, who God is and what he's done. And, and the problem, of course, is that many of us can see that and then don't give God the glory that's due his name. Um, so, so, for instance, you know, we, we would often look at a child and go, uh, you don't get it yet. You don't understand it yet. Uh, my 10-year-old very sincerely yesterday came and sat on the couch and... Um, he had just been playing online with a friend, and as he's playing online with a friend, he's hearing the family yelling in the background, and he plays with his friend a lot, so it wasn't a one-time thing, and he came, and it wasn't a smart aleck remark, it was a very sincere remark, and he, and he said, I won't say the name, but he said, my, my friend and his family need Jesus. So as a, a young child playing a video game, he gets this, and he actually even asked me, he said, will you ask the church to pray for my friend and his family? I was like, uh, there's a lot of those requests. I'm not sure I can do that. But since it made it to the stage, uh, pray for my son's friend and his family. They need to know Jesus because he rebuked me after the first service that I mentioned them and didn't ask the first service to pray for his friend and his family. So <laughs> my, my, here's my point, though. He gets it. And sometimes we don't know who does or does not get it. And so for the sake of that, uh, I think we'll move on and leave that there. Next one. Why did you choose to preach topically instead of going through a complete book of the Bible? I think I have to take this one, don't I? Do, can y'all take it? Uh, oh, go for it. That's me. Yeah, I think you know the answer. Uh, look, here's the thing. I think when people ask these questions, um, most often when someone says, why don't you preach straight through the Bible, like start at Genesis, go to Revelation, or, or pick a book and go straight through it verse by verse, um, they seem to be implying that that's better. And uh, I, I'm not going to say there's a better or worse, but I'm going to tell you why we do what we do. Had a friend of mine who preached through Romans, and it took over a year. Had a uh, pastor I know uh, preached through Luke, and it took two and a half years. Uh, so here's my point. If we did it that way, um, I wouldn't make it through the Bible in my career preaching. And you probably wouldn't make it through the Bible in your career listening. Um, yours would be longer because you could start as a child. Anyway, you get the point. Uh, also, because we're about 30% military, which means we lose, you know, 10, 20, 30% of our church uh, every year as they turn over and go somewhere else. So they, they might even make it through a whole book. If it took two and a half years to do Luke, they might come in in the middle of Luke and leave in the middle of Revelation. And, and that's all they ever heard while they were here for two or three years. So what, what I do is I take about three 
days uh, twice a year, once um, at the beginning of the year and once after the summer. And I go away and I, I do a prayer and planning retreat. And I ask God, what does he want for Grace Life Church? In many things, and one of those is preaching, and we always come back and, and uh, set up the preaching calendar for what's moving forward. And um, what we do is we are, are teaching what we need to be equipped to follow Jesus today. Because here, here's what I believe. I believe everyone should be reading all of the Bible all of the time. Just because I don't preach it verse by verse by verse, and even if I did, it would go too slow. That's the point I was making. Uh, you should still be reading it. I think everyone should. And so I can't give you the whole Bible on Sunday morning, even if I did go verse by verse by verse. As I said, I couldn't do it in a career. So just this past week, I was on vacation, and, and even as I went on vacation, I told God I wanted to hear his voice, because um, vacation wouldn't be any fun for me if, if I'm disconnected from God. And so I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take like a workload, um, but, but I'd love for you just to talk to me about something um, that I maybe aren't, I'm not thinking about. And right before I'd left, we had planned all of 2019 and even some of 2020, what we'll be preaching. And as I was on this trip, right before I left, I'd, I'd had a thought. I was unsettled about something. I, I thought, we've got this in the wrong place. Um, we need to preach on this much, much sooner. You know, we don't have it planned until 2020, and, and I think God wants us to do it as soon as possible, which will be before Easter. And uh, the staff doesn't even know it yet. I'll tell them about it tomorrow. But we're, <laughs> we're going to rearrange that calendar because there is something that all of us, the overwhelming majority of us, are struggling with, are dealing with, that I think God wants us to touch on sooner. And uh, if you're just going straight through, straight through Scripture, it, it may not be where you are on that week. So that's why we do topically, because, well, uh, I don't think there's a better or worse. I think there's just a choose one or the other, and you've you got to go with it. And that's, that's what we've chosen to do, because we, we believe it allows us to follow the voice of God and uh, touch on what we see as the needs of the people at the time. So... I know we're out of time, and uh, I don't know how we did that because I thought we went faster in this service, but I do want to get to the last question uh, that we did in the last service because this is a really important question, and um, if, if we don't know that, we won't get to um, cover it at all because we don't want to mess up things next week. Anyway, so let me just go on. We're going to skip uh, to the suicide question, if you would, please, um, and the one right before it. Does God forgive suicide and then this, this other one that goes with it? If a child was bullied to the brink of suicide, do you think he or she would be welcomed into heaven? The, the answer that I, I have to start with is that I would probably give you a different answer based on who I was talking to. And by that, I don't mean there's two different right answers. Uh, it means I would be looking at what's going on in your heart. So if you were the mother who has lost a child... Um, I would explain to you that our sins are forgiven. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. His blood's already been poured out. He's already been the ultimate sacrifice. You cannot wait till tomorrow for Jesus to die. The blood will not be poured out again. You do need to repent tomorrow when you sin tomorrow because what that does is, is reinstate healthy, clean fellowship in your heart and with God. And so people always ask, well, if I'm forgiven, why should I repent? Just because you're forgiven doesn't mean that you're good with God at the moment, relationally, you know. Um, your spouse can love you, and you can still be in the middle of something that, that you're not communicating very well. So we need to repent so that our souls get clean and we get back in fellowship with God. So that, that answers the question that wasn't asked but always does get asked. So, yes, your sins are forgiven, which would mean if you committed suicide, you'd be forgiven. Um, the people who believe that that's not possible, uh, again, I'm not picking, I'm just answering the question, are typically people who are raised Catholic or have heard a Catholic answer. The Catholic faith, faith calls this the unpardonable sin. 
So because it's one that you can't go and confess and have repented. So therefore, it makes it the unpardonable sin that Scripture talks about. Um, outside of the Catholic faith, that is not what we believe. And so, uh, again, not trying to pick on anybody or their faith, just letting you know where the question comes from. Um, if you're not Catholic, you might not be asking the question of, does God forgive suicide? The point is, Jesus died, forgives all. That's the first question, the, or the first answer. The second answer, because here's what I suspect is actually going on, um, at least what I think the Holy Spirit's telling me. I don't think this is a mom asking the question. I think it's someone who's currently struggling. I think it's someone who's being bullied. I think it's someone who is not enjoying the life that they have at the moment, but they also want to make sure they go to heaven. And to you, I'd give a different answer. Um, and that is that all of us at some point, or at least many of us at some point, have had a very difficult time with how life was going, with what we felt and what we thought. What I would say to you, I would bring up some other things like Ephesians 2.10 that says, we are his workmanship, uniquely made for a purpose. Works that he created us to do before the beginning of the earth. I'd remind you of Jeremiah that says, he knows the plans he has for you, plans for good and for welfare, not for harm and not for evil. And because that is God's heart for you, the whisper in your soul that says, I'm not good enough. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't who I'm supposed to be or life is miserable or everybody is, hates me, everybody's against me. Whatever those whispers are that say, cut short the destiny of God on your life. You need to know it is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a demonic lie. And I would say to you, call it for what it is. And I just felt led in the Holy Spirit in the first service to do something, and it worked. I'm, I'm going to believe it's going to work again. Uh, and I'm going to ask all of you here to help me answer this question for the person or people that are potentially struggling with this. If you've ever had a day or a season that you just didn't really want to do life anymore because you were filled with despair, uh, you might even put the word depression on it. Maybe depression was the correct word. Maybe you were grieving so deeply, so you, you lost something. Maybe you were angry at God. Whatever the point is, if you were ever at a point that you didn't really ever want to do another day, will you help me raise your hand? Now, if you're the person asking this question, I'd like you to look around the room at how many people have felt like you do today. I'd like you to take your hands back down because I'm going to ask you to put them back up for one more reason. Raise your hand now if you're glad you're still here. I'd like you to look around again. Do you see? These are the people that are saying, I was able to tell that lie go away. It was hard, but I got through it, and I am glad I did. If you are being bullied, if you are depressed, if you are despairing, if you are struggling, if you just don't think another day will get better, I want you to remember all the hands you just saw of people who have been where you are, felt what you felt, know how you feel, and are glad that they went through that season. If you are a teenager, I want to tell you, go and talk to one of your youth leaders. If you're not, or you can still talk to one of us. If you're an adult, come and talk to one of us. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to one of the elders. And we will get you in touch with someone who can help you. we got a brilliant Dr. Rainey McGee sitting right over there. Just ha had to do this. God has blessed her. She's a Christian psychiatrist that specializes in, in, in helping people um, 
walk in the freedom that God has for them. And she's one of many. I just saw another counselor, and I, it's kind of dark. So anyway, you get the point. We, we've got lots of people in the body of Christ that can help us um, get through this. And so uh, that's really what I wanted to, uh, to touch on there. And, and I know that is a, a, a deep end of the pool to end on. Um, and uh, matter of fact, maybe just because it is such a deep end of the pool, uh, we can back up to the, the slightly more lighthearted question before this one that we skipped, and, and we'll end on that. We're out of time. We didn't get to even half of the questions that we planned to do today. Would you guys back up to the question about being a pastor uh, for me? And, and we'll end there. How do you know when God is calling you to be a pastor or something bigger than what you're already doing? And the second part of that question that goes with it is, do you have to go to seminary, become a pastor, to be a leader in the church? Uh, let's see, Kent, what did you do before becoming a pastor? I worked in nuclear power. <laughs> so you were a nuclear engineer nerd was, dude, yeah, right? nerdy kind of nuclear engineer kind of guy. Yep, 28, 27 years. So you did like 28 years in the nuclear field. Patrice, what did you do before coming to pastor? Um, I was a wife. I was a homeschooling mom of five children, and we were missionaries. That, that seems like a pretty decent resume. I was a band director for 11 years, high school, middle school, band director, doing music. And uh, so I think that answers the question, do you have to go to seminary to become a pastor or a leader? How do you know when God's calling you? If you are thinking the question, God is calling you. If you are thinking the question, God is calling you. I'm going to tell you, because the first thing that I do when I sit down with somebody and they say, I think I'm called to be a pastor, I said, try anything else. <laughs> and I've told you all the time, I have the best job in the world and I love it, and I do, and that's true. But what I mean by that is the spiritual warfare that will come against your life, you don't need to do that if you don't love it. You don't, I mean, you, you, if there's anything else you can do and sleep at night, you need to. So if you're asking the question, you're called. I bet. Come and talk to me. So if you ask this question, you need to make an appointment with me. I want to talk with you. We believe in raising up from within. Uh, and so that's what Jesus did. He didn't go to the local seminaries. Uh, he went and found people. He called them. He trained them. And he sent them out. And we do the same thing. We've all been raised up in our local church. We have gotten some Bible college training. Just so you know, we do know the, the, the truth in the Bible. We have read it and we've studied. And so we're not morons. But... Uh, um, uh, anyway, there you go. That's all I'm going to say about that before I get myself in more trouble. Hey, folks, we're out of time. That means come back next week because uh, we've got the deep end of the pool next week. I'm just going to tell you that. Thank you so much. See you guys. Thank you for joining us today during our Q&A series. These sessions will be available online for you to watch again or share with your family and friends. Visit our message archive online or on our app at gracelife.church. And check out our YouTube channel by searching Grace Life Church Columbia. Here you can find past sermon series, video stories, and exclusive content that's not available anywhere else. Our desire is to give you resources that will help you know God and grow spiritually. And we hope you will join us again next week for our second part of Q&A. Hey, one thing, I get to do some Q&A, so you might ask, how can you get involved this holiday season? Hey, we have some bags. Aren't they nice? They're awesome. It says, Making Jesus Famous in Columbia. And so during this holiday season, uh, we have some families, 150 families that, that we know that are in need this holiday season. So you know, when you're making your way out right here in between, right under expectation is invitation. Uh, there are some bags. You can grab them uh, and put some food. They have a list of what food items you need to buy so we can give some families in need. 
uh, some food. That's exciting, right? That's a way to serve. I'm good at this. I should be up on that chair next week, right? All right. And second, uh, one of my favorite ones is, yes, there is a God who loved you so much that he sent a son to die on the cross for your sins so that you can have a relationship with him. And so we want to give you an opportunity. If you have never you know, asked the Lord to be king of your life and, and you want to pray that, uh, I just want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to lead you in that conversation. You don't got to say it out loud. You can say it to yourself. Uh, you don't got to stand up. You don't got to come down front. But I'm going to lead you in that conversation right now. Just repeat after me. Jesus, you died for me. Now I want to live for you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. God, and I want to live a life with great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Give it up for those people. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.